Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Aisha Harris, who was recently featured in the San Diego Union-Tribune's Festival of Books, is co-host of the NPR podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour and author of the book Wannabe, Reckonings with the Pop Culture That Shapes Me. Her book is filled with essays about how pop culture can be an entry point to better understand ourselves and be more comfortable in our own skin. Aisha, welcome to Midday Edition. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Okay, so first question, Wannabe, what inspired you to write this book and what inspired the name for it? Well, I had been thinking for a bit about how much pop culture has had such a huge effect on my life. And yes, of course, I am a pop culture critic. This is what I do. <laughs> but um, there are many ways in which it's it's influenced me, not just professionally, but personally. Things that have made me change my own habits, my my day-to-day habits, my uh, the way I think about other people, the way I think about myself. And I feel as though, you know, this is a book that is part memoir. It's very personal. I tell stories that are very specific to my childhood. My uh, my name is has an entire essay <laughs> devoted to it and, and sort of a journey that I went on with appreciating my name. Um, but I also think so many of the essays I, I included here also will resonate with a lot of readers because there are plenty of people my age, I'm a millennial, um, who have had the same experiences of kind of looking back on things that they may have loved or consumed when they were younger and realizing, you know, there's how has this affected me for the better, maybe for the worse? Um, and I really wanted to sort of d- dig into that. Um, and as for the name, Wannabe, is, it's kind of twofold. The first is that I write a lot about the Spice Girls in this book (laughs) Um, and my own experience, like I was at the core, you know, age when they became famous, where they they were consumed my life and wannabe is partially an ode to that direct reference to them. But also just this idea of how we see ourselves through pop culture and how we might want to be 
something else or someone else through the arts, the TV, the music and movies that we consume. You know, it's interesting because in in the first pages of your book, you do talk about how you've learned a lot of lessons about yourself, as you mentioned, and and how the world works by way of pop culture. Can you talk a a bit more about that um, and about you specifically? What have you learned about yourself through pop culture? Uh, Well, the first, (laughs) the introduction of the book is is probably one of the more revealing things I've ever laid out about myself personally. It's kind of embarrassing, um, but it is a nod to the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and how just a sort of toss-off joke really made me realize that I had been doing my own, uh, one of my sanitation grooming habits wrong. Uh, (laughs) That's all I'll say. You should read the essay yourself to to find out what that's about. Um, But, you know, I, I already mentioned my name and the first essay is about how for so long I sort of associated it with um, this idea that my parents had named me after the Stevie Wonder song, Isn't She Lovely? And Stevie Wonder's uh, daughter, uh, his, uh, her, his daughter is named Aisha, and in that song he directly mentions her. And, you know, my parents would hit play that song all the time when I was younger and sing it to me. So I always thought, oh, this is where my name came from. But a lot of people I would interact with who were of a certain age and to this day who might be of a certain age would immediately associate it with a different song by a group called Another Bad Creation Mm -hmm. from the 90s. They're this sort of one-off, one-hit wonder group, boy band group, these like prepubescent younger kids. (laughs) And they have a song called Aisha. And I hated that they, like, people would associate my name with that song. And so this essay is me taking the journey of realizing, first of all, learning that, in fact, my name wasn't exactly inspired by Stevie Wonder, and then questioning, okay, why did I want it to be that? And why was I so um, annoyed by the fact that this other song, this lesser song, in my eyes, uh, (laughs) or just, like, not as prestigious song, was the one that people wanted to connect me to. And it leads me on this journey through confronting my own anti-Blackness, my own desire to not feel, uh, my own desire to feel better than other people and and feel sort of like the, the way in which we, our tastes often make us want to feel as though we are superior to other people. And so that's kind of the journey that I go on. And it kind of lays the foundation for the rest of this book, which is me trying to understand what makes us like the things we like and don't not like the things we don't like and and why we gravitate towards certain artists and certain movies and franchises um and and how we can all maybe learn to do better when when it comes to how we dissect and interact with the art we consume mm-hmm. and in that first essay um when you were talking about your name you also sort of like LinkedIn, um, a, a larger conversation about black names and how society perceives those black names and the people behind them. Talk to me a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at so much of pop culture, there are so many instances of quote unquote black sounding names being uh, associated with certain types of characters. So you have 
Shanene from Martin um, and and Bonquiqui from Mad TV. These uh, and and they are portrayed as in, in the case of Martin, portrayed by a man, so a man in drag. Uh, black women um, or, or black sounding names that are associated with women who don't work or who don't like to work, who are sassy, who do this the typical sort of like neck rolling, sucking the teeth, all of those things sort of seep into our consciousness. And I think that also plays a part in the real world when you think about how there have been plenty of studies done that have shown that people with black sounding names tend to find have a harder time in the job application process and are often not called in for interviews or are not given a job. Uh, so I think that there's this very direct line between pop culture and also the real world and how all of those things are working together in tandem in ways that we might not even be fully aware of. Hmm. It's interesting that that you say that because the caricature uh, that you mentioned, you know, I can trace back to Ronald Reagan's politics um, mm -hmm. of, of creating this welfare queen. Um, so that leads me to this question. I mean, you know, how much does pop culture influence or even reflect our lives? I mean, because sometimes it's hard to tell which came first, the chicken <laughs> or the egg, right? Yes, yes. Well, it's always in conversation with each other. And that was another motivation for me wanting to write this book was that I think so often pop culture is treated as something that's very frivolous, not important, or not or not as important as you know, what's going on in politics. But those things are always hand in hand and always have been if you just look at especially now where we're having these outrageous culture wars over drag queens reading to kids and, you know, books being banned. Clearly, this is not just about uh, pop culture is not just about fun and entertainment. It is also about people trying to wage control and control images and control the way actual policies are, 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 are laid out in, you know, in government. So I think that it's really important for us to recognize that and really take stock in how these attempts to control pop culture and control the things that especially children are being taught or or, or interacting with uh really it it affects us all both in ways that are positive and uh more more disheartening in the case of all these book bannings and and concerns about drag queens yeah i mean and what do you make of that these book bannings and efforts to suppress black history even I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm only 35. And so I did not live through the civil rights era. You know, I was barely conscious when, or like barely sentient, I can barely remember when the OJ trial was happening. But I, I do think that when you think about all these different ways that politicians and right wing and conservative talking heads are trying to control uh, this narrative, I think that it's it's disturbing. And I, th people always like to say that Hollywood is a very liberal place. It, it is, but it's not. Um, I think that there's so many, even if you even think about the fact that uh, the, the, the WGA strike and, and the SAG strike that is happening right now, a lot of that is just people wanting to get paid. And you've got the people who are making this art. They may be very, in many cases, 
liberal and and progressive thinking. But at the same time, you have the people who are actually pulling the strings, the studio heads who tend to be more conservative. Um, And so I think it's really important to recognize that none of this is either or. There is no uh, you know, there's no sort of like liberal Hollywood that's, you know, has actual control in a way that I think a lot of right wing thinkers think there's so many things going on. And I think we're really regressing in ways that uh, concern me. But I also feel heartened that we're seeing a lot of people who are fighting back and who are trying to call out these um, these inhumanities in ways that I think will help at least keep things from getting much, much worse um, quickly. In your book, you talk about how, you know, the way we interact with pop culture has really shifted, um, especially from from one generation to the next. Can you, you tell me more about that? Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Yeah, the big thing is social media. I think social media has played perhaps the biggest uh, the biggest role in the shift of the way that we interact with the art and media we consume, because it allows us to, you know, develop and and create these personas around the art that we like. And you know, in one of my essays, I talk about how. We've gone from, you know, having our own fandoms and talk, maybe talking about it with the people within our orbit, our friends, our family, arguing about those things. You, you know, there was obviously there is the concept of the water cooler show where at, you would come in the next day and you would talk about it with all your coworkers. But now you can talk about it with anyone anywhere across the globe at any time of day. And so you have people who are able to dedicate even more time to their obsessions with anything from Star Wars to Beyonce to Taylor Swift, Um, and also creating these fandoms and standoms that really, um, for better and for worse, like I think there's a great aspect of being able to connect with people all over the globe about a shared passion. But at the same time, it is very sometimes, uh, I think in many ways, we've lost the ability to really connect because so much of that fandom and standom is often weaponized. And so there's this there's this idea of like, well, I like this, so why don't you like this? And trying to game systems and trying to download and stream as many songs by your favorite artists so that they rack up, you know, a number one hit on Billboard. It's like, there's this loss of just love for the art that has been in many ways replaced by just wanting to take sides. It's really in many ways become almost like sports and uh, in, in ways that I think are are not particularly healthy. And I, I think social media has absolutely played the biggest role in making that happen. Do you think this has had the, the greatest impact on Gen Z and younger people, in particular, this shift in how we consume pop culture online? 
they do not know a time before iPads, before uh, well, the the youngest Gen Zers, I guess, don't know a time before the iPad or or cell phones that could take photos and could have your emails that were basically computers of their own. And I think that when you combine that with the pandemic and how a lot of people who were in school and were affected by that and had to sort of learn how to be real people in in the real world now that we are back out in the real world. I think all that is going to have a very profound effect on how they interact with each other and how they interact with the art they consume. And, you know, the other thing is that there's just so much art and media and content out there now. So it's really much harder for big, for there to be like a true star on the level of someone like Taylor Swift or Beyonce um, because everyone has kind of found the things that they love. And, you know, there are plenty of influencers and TikTok stars who I've never heard of, but they have tens of millions of followers. And I think that that is such an interesting place to be that we are kind of having to adjust what, what we describe as truly popular and what we describe as mainstream and what we describe as being famous. Right. I mean, and it's interesting you say that too, because even the the uh, influencers who were, rec- were were created with artificial intelligence have thousands and thousands of followers, as I just learned on Facebook the other day. Yeah, AI is it's AI is a whole <laughs> different beast. <laughs> the, there's certain things, whether it's art, whether it's journalism whether it's just interacting with people, if you work a retail job, I think that there's so many places where AI cannot and should not replace the human experience and the human uh, creativity mode. And I think that, you know, Gen Z especially is going to have to wrestle with that as AI becomes more prominent and becomes uh, definitely something that we all have to sort of... (laughs) watch out for. Oh, uh, I've been speaking with Aisha Harris. She's the author of the new book, Wannabe. Uh, Aisha, it was really nice talking to you. Thanks for joining the show. It was a pleasure. What impact has pop culture had on you? Give us a call at 619-452-0228. You can leave a message or you can email us at midday at kpbs.org. We'd love to share your thoughts here on Midday Edition. And if you ever miss a show, you can find the Midday Edition podcast on all platforms. I'm Jade Hindman. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.